My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. Hey everybody! Do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain? Do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate? Well then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host Morgan Feza. Let's get weird. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Feza, and today we are going to be covering a super, super fun local haunted historical landmark, I guess I'll call it. Um, So for those of you that don't know, I am a New Jersey native. I grew up in New Jersey my entire life. Um, I'm from a little town called Parsippany, and within Parsippany, Lake Hiawatha. Um, That is where I lived for my entire life. And for my local New Jerseyans, you guys know that we have some really rich haunted history, a lot of haunted spots, Um, the famous Clinton Road, Um, which I know has been featured on numerous ghost shows, has been featured on podcasts and videos and YouTubes. Um, It's all over the place. But the biggest landmark, the baddest landmark, and the most historically rich landmark, probably the oldest and biggest, Greystone Psychiatric. It was a mental asylum in the early 1800s, um, specifically 1876 is when it was built, and it closed down in 2008. So the reason I chose to talk about this was because Greystone Park Psychiatric Hospital was a psychiatric hospital that I frequented quite often. Um, There were so many people that wanted them to keep Greystone up. But unfortunately, after it closed its doors in 2008, they did tear it down. Um, it really sucked because it it really is a beautiful building. It is just sprawling across almost, uh, I think, I believe it's 678,000 square feet. Um it's beautiful. And, and when we would drive past it, um, you know, it really knocks the new Greystone out of the park because it's got that old world just character. Um, it's a large brick building, lots of cement fixtures, um, on tons of greenage there in Parsippany. Um, and, there is a new Greystone, so just so that you guys know, there's t- there was two buildings. Um, there was a lot of rumors. I had never personally been in the tunnels myself, but there were a lot of rumors that 
there were underground tunnels that connected the old graystone to the new graystone. And that is why for so long, um, there were certain, there were electric electricity still connected to the old graystone in certain parts and why you would see lights on, which I think just truly added to the, um, it just like added to like the eeriness of it um, because you would see lights in certain parts of the hospital. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it was abandoned. It was dark. It kind of seemed like it was frozen in time. Um, but I'll give you guys a little bit of history on Greystone in case you're not familiar. But I mean, if you read any kind of ghost folklore in New Jersey, I mean, you had to have heard of Greystone. It is... I mean, it it runs deep. It is a just, it's the ghost story that we all hear when we're young and when we're growing up. So, um, Greystone, like I said, was built in 1876. It closed its doors in 2008. Um, they basically built this asylum because there was only one asylum at that time and it was in Trenton and they were just like all the asylums in that time period were overloaded with tons and tons of patients. They were understaffed, overworked, um, just for it being, for only having really one asylum in New Jersey. I mean, I could only imagine, especially because back then they did not know how to deal with certain, um, mental illnesses, cognitive conditions, um, especially developmental delays. That was another thing. So, I mean, the asylums back then were really a one-stop shop for anything that they did not know how to diagnose or deal with, which was really sad if you think about it. So it was basically put up to help alleviate and bring some of that pressure off of the Trenton Asylum that had been built. So, um, they opened their doors in August, I think it was, it was August 17th, 1876. It basically was designed and built by a man named Thomas Kirkbride. Um, and they wanted to basically build a hospital that advocated for, um, better conditions, more fresh air, and I guess really push the idea of having, the best health care to cure mentally ill people, um, which really I think is kind of ironic being that Greystone was the complete opposite. Um, they completely kind of spiraled and the treatment was, I mean, like most asylums at that time, absolutely inhumane. Um, and just like the other hospitals, problem. Um, I mean the overcrowding and I mean, you're going to get that overpopulation and it's pretty much going to happen again. So that's, that's exactly what happened with Greystone is the idea and the motion, um, and the thought behind it was great. What it actually turned into though was absolutely terrible, was inhumane and I just think that there's probably a very good reason why this hospital is notably one of the most haunted, one of the most active sites, or was one of the most active sites for paranormal activity. Um, basically, the hospital was meant to house 
hundreds of patients um, and by 1953 ended up housing almost 8,000 patients. So overcrowding was most definitely a problem um, and it was like immediately. Um, They did convert the attic um, into a patient dormitory, I believe, Um, and that was in 1881. And then um, in 1887, the hospitals, basically their physical rooms and their exercise rooms were converted into more dormitories to accommodate the overcrowding. Um, One of the patients that is probably one of the most notorious that attended Greystone was a Woody Guthrie and he was a famous uh, singer songwriter. He was in Greystone from 1956 to 1961 um, because he was suffering from Huntington's disease. So for those of you that are not familiar with Huntington's disease, it is a hereditary degenerative nervous disorder, um, which ultimately is terminal. Um, so he had a pretty terminal diagnosis and he stayed there, um, and basically coined the phrase, um, instead of saying gravestone, he called it gravestone. Um, and people say that this was very, very prophetic of him, um, that he basically kind of called a spade a spade and predicted that Greystone was going to end up just like every other, um, asylum at the time because they just did not have the medical knowledge. They did not have the capacity, um, even at 600 and whatever the, I think it was 675,000 square feet. They still did not have the room to house the mental illness population. Um, so like I said, the building is absolutely ginormous. Um, it basically was closed because there just was, there was sexual assault, which unfortunately at the time, again, was a very common thing in asylums. Um, there was a lot of decay kind of happening. The asylum was not withstanding the test of time. Um, there was physical abuse. There was patient-on-patient violences. There was multiple suicides, which, again, adding to that rich history of why there's paranormal activity, it's hard to it's hard to argue why this place would be haunted. Um, between the suicides, between murders, between um, just terminal illnesses that this place saw, um, It just was one of those things where as beautiful as a building as it was, the things going on inside were super ugly. Um, So, like I said, this is a place that me and my friends frequented quite often. Um, So I'll tell you guys a couple of the experiences that I had had personally with the Greystone Psychiatric Hospital. Um, One of the the more notable... Um, stories that I have was, you know, like I said, as a young teenager, I'm sure there's worse things that I could have been doing at that age, but we probably shouldn't have been sneaking into protected abandoned buildings. Um, We would, you know, park our car up at like, we were friends with like all the seniors or the people that could drive. um, And we would basically like 
park up on a hill somewhere like late at night, walk the mile, two miles down and, you know, walk onto the Greystone property. And for those of you who are not familiar with Greystone, there are, I mean, the grounds were in very good condition. There was uh, paved pathways um, that you could walk along just like your normal sidewalks, things like that. Um, so we had parked one late night and walked down one of the pathways. Um, and there are like these, they look like like little houses. Um, I'm not really sure if they're dormitories, if they were like security houses. I'm not really sure what they were for. And I did try and research it, but wasn't really coming up with anything. Um, so me and my friends were walking and out of the corner of my eye, I saw somebody standing in one of these houses, but they looked like they were security. So I immediately like alerted my friends and I was like, guys, we got to like get down and maybe try and take another way around. I said, there's security over there. And they were looking at me kind of puzzled. And I'm like, come on, like, we gotta, we gotta get moving and we gotta make sure that like, we don't get caught. So, you know, we, um, I kind of started to crouch and I'm like, let's go this way. And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, guys, he's standing right there. Like, how do you not see him? And I was like, he's standing right at the window. I was like, if he sees us, they're going to call the cops. And I noticed like my friend's faces kind of shift from like, maybe she just is, doesn't have her glasses on and she doesn't, you know, understand what she's seeing to like, she's not playing around. And like, I genuinely could see somebody standing there and my friends are looking at me and they're like, Morgan, nobody is there. And I said, I can see him right now. Like I don't have the best eyesight and yes, without my glasses. But I mean, this was way back when, before I was like one taste bud away from being, you know, blind and barely have hearing because like I feel like (laughs) I I can't hear I can't see I mean I am just a hot mess these days but back then I I would say I was still young and you know like a spring chicken so I was like pretty sure like I'm like I can see this person standing there and I'm telling you like I'm looking at them right now and their faces were like pure fear and they were like Morgan I'm we don't see anybody like nobody is standing there and then my stomach started to turn and when I turned around like to look back and be like no like he's there he was gone so what was weird about it was he wasn't staring back at me it was almost like he was just strictly watching the grounds it was like he had a stance of like he was on duty he was doing his job and so I don't know what these little houses were used for and I wish I could figure that out or if any of my listeners have any insight as to what these little houses were for, um, you know, let your girl know, but it was, it was a crazy moment and I was like, all right, like now I'm spooking myself out. So like, let's get in there before I chicken out and I'm like, let's leave. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that was probably the first time at the hospital that I had actually seen a full body apparition. I had seen somebody standing there that was, I mean, certainly not there apparently, um, because (laughs) my friends didn't see him. And then when I looked back, I mean, he was gone. So it, it was, it was, um, definitely going that night and going into the hospital after that. Um, I don't know what I was sipping that night that gave me some sort of courage, but like I, 
I don't know how I did it, how I went into the hospital after we had that um, encounter. So we went in, um, the normal, we always had like our normal entrance and, you know, I hope my like parental units and family does not yell at me after they hear this, but I was young, you know, we were fearless. We would go into our normal, there was like a window that we kind of had to hoist each other and pull each other into. Um, and once you got in there, um, it, it was eerie because it, it felt and looked like an abandoned hospital, but there were still pieces of it that were like frozen in time. So, um, my next experience that I had had on a night that we were there was it was dark. Um, we had like our flashlights and I mean, early two thousands, we had our little cool pics cameras and, you know, your, your digital cams that you brought with you for MySpace and, you know, to post with your friends. And so I brought my digital camera and just like the ghost shows had always like taught you that they were like, Oh, take pictures anytime you feel something because you might capture something on film. And so I took pictures and there were very, very definitely like orbs there were very many orbs. Some people could argue, you know, oh, it's probably dust. It's an old hospital. There's probably asbestos floating around in there and yada, yada, yada. These were like very clear, like balls of energy that were floating around this hospital. And the way that they were like where they were, I think is kind of what solidified it for me. The like, the balls of light, they were, like, one was, like, on a bed. So there are, there were, like, I don't know if they were iron or what, like, metal. Like, they had these metal beds um, that just looked like they were mental asylum beds. There were restraints still attached to some of them. Restraints attached to, like, some of the gurney-looking things. Um, there were just a lot of like artifacts and things in the hospital and where the orbs were placed on these things. Like there was a giant orb that looked like it was laying in bed. There was an orb that looked like it was hovering over like a, maybe it was a medicine cart. I'm not sure. Um, an orb at an end of a hallway. And what was crazy about this is like, I remember this like it was yesterday, but I don't have a picture or anything to even post on this podcast to show you guys. And what's so crazy about that for me is because whenever I would go and at a point I stopped bringing my digital camera because we would go, I would take pictures, I would capture these orbs and be like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Like, I can't wait to look at these when we get back to the house and like we could talk about it. My camera would die, even though it was fully charged, it would die and the pictures would be gone. And I was like, maybe it's a memory card thing. Maybe I need a new memory card. And then after like a couple times, I was like, this is not a coincidence. Like something is shutting my camera down and saying, don't take pictures. So being respectful, um, which I have always been extremely respectful of the spiritual, you know, I don't believe in taunting. I don't believe in being disrespectful. I don't believe in, you know, going against, like if something is very clearly giving you a sign, going against that is not going to be in your best interest. So 
I don't do the provoking. I don't do the disrespect. Um, and I always protect myself anytime that I go on any type of ghost hunt or reach out to the spiritual side. I mean, you name it. So I just kind of took it as a sign that whatever this was, whatever being or whatever was affecting my camera was not appeased with me taking pictures and, you know, wanting to study them. So I kind of started leaving my camera at home and I was like, you know what, this just isn't, it's not a good idea. So that was one of the other instances. Um, another really scary moment, um, that I had was, I mean, I think one of the more real life dangers that you have when going in old places like this is there are squatters, there are, um, people there who maybe do have some cognitive conditions, maybe some mental illness, um, that if they're homeless, they take shelter there. Um, and we've had, we had a couple encounters where like, I mean, it was very much a human being, um, we didn't know, you know, what they were doing, what they were capable of. Were they on drugs? Were there, um, would we jolt them out of their sleep? Would they attack? You know, you just don't know. I feel like anything can happen. So we just always were very safe when we went to these places, made sure we always went in groups. Um, but there were a couple of times where I'm sure we did some questionable stuff. And this is one of those instances where my friends kind of had gone a little bit ahead. Um, we all kind of like split up a little bit. Some were just, you know, just out of curiosity because I wanted to look at some parts and they wanted to look at different parts. So, um, you had to be careful where you were walking. There were rotting floors. There were places where we probably could have fell through. Um, but I had gone to look at one of the rooms, um, that had a lot of stuff in it that kind of seemed frozen in time. And so I, of course, was like, this is so neat. Like what's in here? Um, and I could hear the sound of what sounded like somebody being loaded onto a gurney and then pushed down the hall. And I just was like, kind of stopped. And I'm like, hmm, again, don't have the best hearing. So I'm like, maybe it's my friends down the hall. Like, I'll see what they're doing. So I peek my head out of, out of the hallway. And they were in front of me, not behind me. So I look down the hall and I can hear it coming from the opposite direction. So I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, well, it's a big hospital. Large, you know, ceiling to floor. <clears throat> like very tall ceilings, um, ceiling to floor windows. And there, I mean, there was a lot of things that could eke and creak and probably make noise if the wind blew the wrong way. Um, so I'm just, I kind of was like, maybe it's an old rusty piece of equipment. Maybe the wind kind of, I don't know. In that moment, I think you start to rationalize anything because you're like, oh my gosh, please don't, <laughs> please don't let this be anything like super scary. So <laughs> So at that moment, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe it's a tornado. Like you, you start thinking like the most crazy things that are totally not rational to rationalize the irrational. So um, I could hear this gurney just like it sounded like it had like a wobbly wheel. Like I could I can still remember this so detailed because it was so it was just so loud and it was just such a, a real moment. And I'm standing, I had now moved into the hallway, so I'm standing in the hallway, and I can hear my friends, like, ahead of me, 
but mainly it's just me in this hallway and I'm like maybe it's a squatter maybe it's somebody and I'm as I'm I'm trying to rationalize I hear it moving closer and it's moving closer and I can hear the wheels like running over stuff in the hallway like that cracking sound like it's going over gravel or like stuff that's just on the floor and it's getting like to the point where I'm like it almost is like if I don't step aside I'm gonna get hit with a gurney like so I then felt like I could hear other sounds and like chitter chatter and then it started to feel like I was standing in the middle of a functioning hospital without the visual if that makes sense so it seemed like there things like business as normal was just going on around me. The gurney was coming down the hall. People were doing charts and that's what it sounded like. And then all of a sudden it just, I felt this cold, cold breeze just brush through my body and it stopped. <clears throat> I remember like my mouth, the saliva in my mouth dried up. I was trying to get words out but it was like my body was like don't make a sound so that was a moment where my mind and my body were not connected I'm really sorry these allergies are killing me so my throat keeps drying up um so literally like my mouth like dried up I was trying in my head I was like I need to call for my friends because I was so frozen with fear but like nothing would come out of my mouth Um, And eventually I kind of like defrosted and like was able to take off. So I took off running down the hallway and I didn't care what I boom bang crashed into, got to my friends, told them what happened. And they said that there was no chatter. There was no, like, they didn't hear any of that. They didn't hear anyone like, like it was just them they said they were barely making noise they were just checking out the stuff in the room and but what I heard sounded like a functioning hospital like I felt like I could hear the sound of like doctors and nurses chattering I could hear people yelling down the hallway like the way that I almost felt like I got transported in time it was a super scary incident it was weird but I felt like something was definitely showing me like trying to maybe and I just freaked out and wasn't open to it um so it was it was a eye-opening experience um and it was crazy because you know I had these experiences and then for this podcast I kind of went online and I'm like you know let me look up some other stories and see you know what we could talk about on the podcast what we can kind of fill in here during the research stage and many people had like similar experiences as me. So like, it was kind of like a nice little aha moment. Like, okay, I'm not alone. And, um, this wasn't like, this isn't me just being crazy. Like this is a very active place. Um, and everything that we kind of experienced there, I mean, I could go on and on with the stories. Um, you know, we heard a woman scream and, that jarred us. That was scary. That was probably the one and only night where we literally went in the building and we left the building within minutes. Like we were, we got a very, a very good sense of like, okay, maybe this is not a good night to be here. Um, we heard, and it was again, like right down the hall from us, but nobody was there. 
nobody was there. It was insane. So I think that there is a lot that is still kind of lingering there. And I've heard different things as to, you know, what they're going to do with the grounds where the old Greystone is, you know, talking about rebuilding it or doing something. Um, but for me, like, I feel like I would be curious as to if they did build a new one, would all of that energy still linger or was it released? Um, and this is something funny that like me and Kim talked about on my last episode was, you know, spirit attachment. If, you know, when they tore that building down, did they set a lot of spirits free or are they still tied there? Is it now a land attachment? Is it just a residual energy that will just reside there until a new foundation is built and then they'll have a new home? I mean, that's what's crazy about the supernaturals. We truly don't know. We don't know. Um, so the new gray stone is really neat. I have friends that I've done, um, their, I guess their, uh, residencies or, you know, if they had to do their clinical hours, um, you know, they've had to do them at Greystone. So I love talking to them about their experiences with the new Greystone. Um, but like I said, it does kind of pale in comparison to the original Greystone because the building was absolutely magnificent. Um, and there's so many photographers that are just enamored with the actual building because it is just, it, well, it was majestic. It was, the floor layouts, the character, the building, like the architect, the design for that building was just amazing. Um, so yeah, so it just, it was mind blowing to, to be able to say that like in my youth, I got to go into this building before it was tore down. I got to experience Greystone, the original Greystone. Um, so, I mean, you can look up pictures, um, and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about in, in regards to the way that it's kind of frozen in time, because one of the things that I found interesting was, you know, wheelchairs kind of just sitting almost like they had just been used and left when the patients were transferred and there's beds and there's a shuffleboard court and there's ping pong tables and, um, like I said, the, the biggest rumor, and I really wish I could have seen this, but I don't know that I would have had the guts to see it without like a guided tour or something were the underground steam tunnels because, um, there is, there, there's just like apparently these tunnels that that's where the electricity electricity connected from the new to the old but these underground tunnels were supposedly where all of the criminally insane were kept so i'm talking about like you, you i mean you're talking about dark and some evil stuff that was kept at the bottom of this building um people that were um murderers people that were deemed criminally insane for heinous violent crimes people that had violent behaviors due to cognitive diseases and cognitive issues um 
and this is where they were kept, apparently. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to say for sure because I had never personally been down there. I do believe there was a man, um, uh, what was his name? I want to say the last name might have been Bueller, and I think he was a photographer. Um, I'm trying to think. I think his name was Philip Bueller, um, and he was also very much a like a Greystone fanatic. Um, and so he talks about going down in these tunnels. So it was definitely like I I do think that there's truth to it. I think that they're there. Um, but there is, I want to say there's like a very creepy undertone to the tunnels that everybody talks about. And some people have been brave enough to go down there. Uh, some people not as much because there is asbestos, there's, um, lines and things that are down. And I'm sure, um, from what Bueller had talked about that I had read, um, was that there was a huge temperature drop and with the temperature drop and stuff like that, there was fog and there was just a lot there, um, that you, it made it hard to see. So it just wasn't the safest place to be. So I don't know if many people have actually been into the tunnel system, but it's a very highly talked about subject because like I said, that is where the criminally insane was kept. Um, so what is so neat about it is it's kind of like this nice mystery that I'm sure a couple of people know about, but not many do. Um, but I often think about some of the things that people say that they find at Greystone is like pentagrams and candles and very seance sacrificial, ritualistic stuff. So it also does kind of pose the question of, is what is at Greystone strictly Greystone? Is that residual energy from patients and staff and tragic events that happen there? Or is some of the stuff that resides at Greystone and could still reside at Greystone brought there from dabbling? Because I do feel like with a lot of landmark um, places like Greystone, there is a certain element of people dabbling and, you know, occult... Um, I don't even really know what to call them. Like occult dabblers that want to come in and they want to reach out to the dead and they bring a Ouija board and they don't know how to properly use it or close it. I am, and I will say this loud and proud, I am not a Ouija board fan. I don't mess with them. I was never allowed to bring one into my home. I touched one one time, which I will talk about on later episodes, and nothing good came from it. So that was a one and done kind of deal. Um, I don't know why people use these divination tools um, in very high energy areas like that, because that's how you create things like portals. Um, and so I feel like in those underground tunnel systems, that's where I think Bueller had said there were maybe some ritualistic, um, 
like kind of like little like candles and like I said pentagrams or graffiti and just things that were going on down there and it makes sense as to why people would probably go there to do these things but you have to keep in mind that when you do go to places like that with all this energy and you're harnessing that and you're using that to communicate with the dead you are also opening the I mean, you're, there's a chance that you're, you're taking the chance that you're opening up a door to something that you don't understand. Um, and you're inviting something else into this space of energy. So I also wonder what else is that graystone that has been unintentionally invited there due to dabbling. So I just kind of had to talk about that a little bit because I think that's what makes the basement so spooky is that it's not just graystone's residual energy, but it's things that have been invited in unintentionally. Um, So I think that if you guys kind of want to read more on this, I would highly suggest um, looking up, you know, just Googling it, looking up pictures, because I think that'll give you more, it'll give you a better visual as to like what we saw when we would go to Greystone um, and some of the things there. Um, a couple of other just fun little facts was that um, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan he actually went to Greystone to visit Guthrie um, in 1961 because that was his idol. So it is another one of those cool things where, you know, you have celebrities that kind of put this place on the map. Um, the way that the building stood for so long and the way that it was frozen in time has, has also been a long favored, um, thing to see is just to see what things looked like in those time periods and how things were just left in like 1956 and 1961, you know, there's just things left from those time periods. Um, and, I thought it was also cool. I did find a couple pictures um, that were taken with Guthrie's family. Um, and the Bueller had taken like current time photos and then took those Guthrie photos and put it to match. How do I say this? Like to like recreate the shot. So he basically goes back, recreates the exact same shot and then puts them together so that you could see it then and now, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, this was a place where a lot of really dark things happened. Um, and I think that those things are still definitely walking the halls, um, I highly suggest you, there's a movie apparently about Greystone. Um, I can see if I can post it in like the link or in the description, um, where you can, it's based on like true stories. Um, I have not watched it myself, but after doing this podcast, I may have to deep dive into that and see what it's all about. But if you're ever visiting uh, Parsippany, Morris Plains, definitely just do like a little drive, little drive-by of Greystone because I definitely think it's worth it. I mean, it is, um, even though the building is apparently not there anymore, to see the new Greystone and kind of be able to just see the grounds, I think it still holds some type of energy there. So, If you want to give yourself the willies, by all means, go and see it. 
Um, but yeah, so until next time, thanks for getting weird with me today and listening to my stories about Greystone Psychiatric Park. Look it up for yourselves. Enjoy. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye.